0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Becker's Orthopaedic, Spine and ASC
1: virtual events. We're excited for you to join us for today's panel titled The Key to Orthopaedic and Spine Practice Growth During Uncertain Times. I'm Alan Condon with Becker's Healthcare and I'll be your moderator for today's panel. Before I introduce today's panelists I'd like to go over just a few housekeeping items. We'll have time at the end of today's panel for a quick question and answer session. You can submit any questions you have throughout the panel by typing them into the Q&A box you see in your screen. If we don't have time to get to your question, we'll follow up with you directly after the event. Finally, this session is being recorded and will be available on demand. We'll send you instructions on how to access the recording once today's event concludes. So before we kick things off, I just wanna take a quick moment to introduce our panelists and hear a little bit more about their roles. Um, Dr. Lisa Galatz, why don't you kick us off?
0: Hi, thank you. And thanks for uh, asking me to participate today. I'm Lisa Gallitz. I'm the system chair of orthopedic surgery at the Mount Sinai Health System in New York City. Uh, I practice primarily on our Upper East Side campus and and our Midtown West Side campus. I uh, oversee the orthopedic operations and finance for our eight hospital system. I'm also chair of our uh, faculty practice contracts committee.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time, Dr. Galatz.
2: And Nader, me. Alan, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Um, I'm the CEO of National Medical Billing Services. National Medical is a revenue cycle company focused on the surgery center market in, in particular and surgery in general. Um, we're the largest company doing what we do, and uh, we have about 300 centers around the country so, we handle everything from managed care contracts for surgery centers to the entire billing, reimbursement process, consulting advice around that, and uh, a lot of um, detailed analytics to be basically try to help surgery centers, administrators, and the owners be able to make good business decisions as it relates to um, how they're how they're practicing and performing within the surgery center. So, um just, just with that perspective, most of my answers, and I think my role on this panel today will be to be coming at all of the answers from a business perspective and from um, highlighting some of the trends and opportunities as it relates specifically to the surgery centers as well. Fantastic.
1: Well, really looking forward to this conversation. And uh, without further ado, let's kick things off. Um, Dr. Galatz, I'm going to go to you for this first question. Um, you, you know, obviously, we've seen some positive news recently around the country hospitalizations due to COVID and the US beginning to roll out a third coronavirus vaccine now. Um, With this news in mind, what is your outlook for orthopedic and spine practice growth in 2021?
0: I think, you know, no doubt this uh, pandemic has been difficult on clinical practice. Most of us have been shut down for some period of time, some longer than others. But importantly is uh, the fact that I think we are gonna rebound. Eventually our country will recover from this as will the rest of the world. And so uh, just like we just passed a stimulus bill yesterday. So I think there's a lot of positives on, uh, on the horizon. Uh, and one of the things about a slowdown this past year is it's really given me the opportunity to take a pause and to take a very critical look at our operations, our finance and our revenue cycle to make sure that we were running as efficiently as possible. And it gave me an opportunity to really look at my organization and say, do I have the right people doing the right jobs? Um, So I think a look back uh, has been important. But even more important, I think if you spend all your time today working on now, you're going to be practicing yesteryear's medicine tomorrow. And as technology advances so quickly, this is a really good opportunity to invest in your organization in terms of technology, the people, alternative contract models. and, and the leadership potential of your organization. So I think if there's a theme, it would be invest in the future.
1: Mm, absolutely. And, uh, and Nader, do you, do you uh, kind of do like your projection for this year align with Dr. Galatz's?
2: Yeah, uh, so, th- so it's been a very interesting year, 2020 and leading into 2021 and really over the last couple of years. So overall, we're very bullish on orthopedics and spine. Uh, rapidly growing specialties, and as it relates to surgery centers, major movement from inpatient to hospital outpatient toward surgery centers. So we see, if you kind of take 2018 to 2021, about 30-plus percent growth in orthopedics in terms of surgery center volume, and spine is about 200 percent. So these are two of the faster-growing specialties in all of medicine, and so um, <clears throat> we we are very um, you know positive we see a lot of movement in in big ticket items too. So it's not just that cases are moving, but you've got you've obviously had dramatic movement in total joints um, with the knees going first and now the hips, Medicare approving both of those now. And um, for example, on the spine side of things, spinal fusions happening in surgery centers uh, to to doctor's point, you know, with technology, spinal fusions being done in a, in a surgery center environment now versus where it used to be, um, that's, that's a pretty re, uh, recent initiative and it's, uh, it's really picking up steam and, and working quite well. So there's a lot of trends in terms of, like I said, the movement of these cases and the high acuity cases uh, moving into the surgery center world too. So yes, all very positive.
1: And Dr. Galatz, how how will you approach expanding your practice in the next year?
0: I think one of the things that we're doing is really taking a look at our region geographically and identifying locations where uh, some of our primary care practices may need orthopedics and placing orthopedics in the multi-specialty practices so that we can capture that volume and keep those patients within the system. The other thing that we're doing is, uh, just like my colleague said, investing in our ambulatory surgery strategy. That's a big, important part of what we're doing. And it's really gonna be important in the next coming years is that we're doing our procedures uh, in site-specific areas, doing them in the lowest cost, safest setting. Um, Physicians want this. Patients want it and importantly, our payers want it as well. So I think we're all aligned in terms of uh, providing that. And I think by having the facilities, having patients in or having physicians in the neighborhoods where our patients are and where they're seeking care um, is gonna be important part of our expansion strategy.
1: Absolutely. And uh, Nader, looking further down the line, um, particularly when we think about this trend of accelerating uh, outpatient migration, what, what investments do you anticipate outpatient surgery centers uh, making in the next
2: five years? Um, Alan, what investments are we looking to make or do, do we see surgery centers making?
1: What investments do you, do you, uh, look, are you looking to make in the next five years?
2: Okay, so I kind of break it into a couple buckets. From, from the standpoint of, of there's there's sort of a consultative investment that we're making and uh, we're committing to helping all of our clients in the industry evaluate these different opportunities. So we've put together an entire, you know, approach and invested in a program where we can help everyone assess the market, um, be able to do pro forma projections, um, <clears throat> identify the best places uh, for you know, centers, um, where they're gonna be most successful, what specialties uh, should be focused on uh, to maximize their opportunity from a business perspective. And then also helping them bringing to bear other resources to ensure that you're bringing clinical best practices to the surgery center from the hospital, Um, revenue cycle best practices, front desk best practices, because you're making a major investment in any of those opportunities, you need to make sure that you're well situated Um, obviously you're picking the right patients and you're performing the cases correctly. And then you are there to capitalize from the business standpoint and not, because there's, while there's opportunity to make a lot of money, there's also opportunity to lose a lot of money if you don't um, handle it correctly. So we focused a lot on that. And then from another area that we are focused on to help clients, and this is a bit more, a bit more futuristic is artificial intelligence, machine learning, predictive analytics, so that we can really help clients understand what's coming, not just in their numbers, but even some of those, um, you know, predictive analytics are starting to carry over to the clinical side as well.
1: Yeah, re- really interesting there, especially from the, the artificial intelligence standpoint, uh, machine learning and data analytics. Um, Dr. Glass, I'm curious, will that be part of your uh, business strategy? was you look to expand over the next five years or so as well?
0: Absolutely, um, I'm glad you asked that. I think it's it's one of the major uh, initiatives going forward. I mean, uh, just like was said, our uh, the artificial intelligence is really helpful in identifying and complying with appropriate use criteria. There's a lot of work being done on clinical decision support, which I think is going to be great. And a lot of predictive analytics. Uh, There was recently a study looking at automatic evaluation of CT scans in order to help predict osteoporotic fractures. Uh, This is about $118 billion spend taking care of osteoporotic fractures in the United States and about 3 billion in the UK. So having patients um, when they have routine CT scans, if there are findings on there that can help predict fracture occurrence, I think this is really gonna enhance our ability to intervene, to do treatment, safety measures and that kind of thing. So that's one way uh, that we're seeing artificial intelligence start to uh, break into our field today.
1: Yeah, really interesting to to hear both your thoughts on investment strategies and also these emerging technologies in the field. Um, I I wanted to switch gears a little bit and, and talk about leadership. Nader, let's go to you for this next question. What has been your guiding light, per se, for for managing your team throughout the uncertainty of the past year?
2: Yeah, it's a great question, and obviously this past year challenged every one of us. I think beyond whatever formal training any of us had ever had, this was unlike any other situation where your business is flying high and literally the next day every one of your clients are calling you to say they're shutting down. Their centers completely and not taking on any more cases. So it was uh, it was a pretty um, shocking time I think for every one of us and all of our different businesses. Um, and so it really caused us. You know what what was great was we really stopped and you know tried to stay calm and said there's two things to focus on. Number one is how can we help our clients survive this because if they survive it, we'll survive it. And number two, how can we take care of our employees during this time frame? Because if we can, if our clients survive it and our employees are still with us, we're you know, super talented and hardworking and driven and, and the basis and the foundation of our business, if we can take care of those two things, eventually we're going to get to the other side of this and we're going to be in a stronger position. And so every decision we made, really, we, we dove in. There wasn't much revenue cycle to do when people aren't doing cases. So we dove in and we learned everything about the CARES Act and helped our clients, you know, apply for loans and answer questions and just help, you know, they were struggling on, do we furlough people? Do we shut down? What do we do? So we just dove in and just kind of became business advisors to our clients and used whatever skills we had um, to help them. And we were fortunate enough to not have to lay off or furlough anybody. Um, We did have senior people jump in with a, with a percentage um, pay reduction for, a couple, I think about three, four months, we all did. And then we quickly brought it back as quickly as we could. So it was a team effort. It was very collaborative. Uh, we were constantly trying to figure out. And then we did a lot of team building during all of that, too. A lot of town halls because we went 100% remote. So it was, um, it was actually a really interesting time. And I think a lot of us found this. We ended up finding some really positive. Obviously, I'm not saying I want it to happen again, but there are some great positives that came out of it. And there are things that we've carried forward since then. And it brought, you know, I think it really brought the team together in a different way. And I I think a lot of times adversity does that based on how you handle it. So uh, we learned a lot and, um, you know, and and knock on wood came out, you know, strong on the other side of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Dr. Glass, did did your leadership, um, you know, echo that of Nodders during the pandemic? And what were the positives that really came out of it for you?
0: Um, Very much so. Um, Being on the clinical side, there was, as you can imagine, a lot of anxiety. Um, When this virus first came out, um, you know, nobody really knew how you got it. Is it from touching things? Is it all, you know, from uh, aerosolization and inhalation? And Uh, The people, at least in New York, were getting so very sick and our hospitals were overrun. We had a field hospital in Central Park across the street. Uh, We set up uh, in our Javits Center, which is our large convention center, extra beds there. And then the Navy ship came. So we were very, very hard hit in New York City. And as you can imagine for uh, the providers, there was a tremendous amount of anxiety and we had PPE shortages. So uh, I felt that the best thing that we could do for everybody, aside from getting PPE, um, was just really honest and open and transparent communication. So I started having weekly Zoom meetings very early in the morning once a week where uh, all the faculty could join and I would give whatever information I had. Um, Everyone was redeployed at some point to help uh, in the COVID units. So uh, my administrative staff and I coordinated that uh, so that we could really uh, help in in where we could, whether that was uh, volunteering as a PPE coach or actually uh, being in the emergency room. So all of our faculty, our PAs and even our residents uh, helped out in that effort. So I just felt like those weekly communication meetings that we had really helped to allay anxiety. Uh, they knew that we were available and it was just a touch base, all uh, an opportunity for all of us to come together and touch base once a week. So I think that that was helpful. Um, and in a crisis, you know, that's what people want is information. Even if I didn't have an answer, I felt like uh, just uh letting them know that that we were there and that that we were watching out for their best interest was one of the most important things that i could do
1: yeah yeah and with all of these new challenges coming at you during the crisis like the pandemic how do you are you now starting to think differently about business development or growth or is that still um something in the back of your mind
0: um i think you know they always say the best time to invest is in a recession <laughs> and I think that that's very true. Uh, we had hired five new physicians and we were able to honor all of those contracts so we welcomed that uh, those five new physicians into our practice. Um, I have one coming and am still recruiting for probably a few more because we think that when uh, when the country rebounds, when the city rebounds, we're, we're going to be very busy because a lot of patients have put off their health care Um, And again, kind of looking back to the technology, um, we are still working very hard on our ambulatory surgery center and really trying to prepare ourselves for the future. So uh, radiology imaging has come a long way. So it's a good time to really take a good look at how you're doing things and how you can best serve your patients. Um, So I I, I think really, in a very interesting way, in spite of the fact that this has been a big economic setback, we're really looking at where strategically we can best invest. And I think looking forward and visualizing orthopedic practice of tomorrow is the way that we're trying to do that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, Nader, um, Dr. Glass touched on in enhancing the, you know, outpatient care, radiology, imaging. Um, how are you thinking differently about business development and growth during, during the pandemic?
2: So it was interesting and kind of piggybacking on a little bit of what I said before. Our focus when this came about was to help everyone survive it because we figured that would be helpful just in general for everyone. and And so we got very active with like I said, diving into learning everything, you know, there Medicare was coming out with a new initiative every week during this time frame, usually on Sunday afternoon. And so we stayed very aware and what we did, we, so we weren't really focused on it from a business development standpoint, but what we did was we were extremely active in taking a thought leadership role and a leadership role, I guess, in general in the market. And so again, we did multiple webinars. We were sending out, um, you know, sort of news updates almost daily as things were breaking. We were answering questions, you know, 20 hours a day, we were just on call for anyone who had any issues, questions, whatever. And obviously no one's buying during, you know, that March, April, May timeframe. But when we kind of picked our head up at year end and looked at our numbers, we had actually brought in more clients in the last six months of the year than we had in the history of our company. And so, um, I think it was a good lesson to us. Now, Obviously we were in a position where it was maybe easier to generate content because there was, you know, the world was, was, was flipping upside down, but by taking that position and doing so um, I think it opened our eyes to, which we always have tried to be, but it really highlighted how much if you take that position of educating people on what's beneficial to them, it will eventually be positive from your standpoint too. And that seems to be, what we found out
1: yeah yeah absolutely uh, switching gears back to kind of the future of orthopedic care delivery um dr glass i'd love to kind of get your insight on, the, on this next question um how do you see the pandemic affecting the next generation of, of orthopedic and spine surgeons in terms of practice choices
0: i think there already was a very strong trend toward uh, seeking and taking employed positions. Um, and I think that this probably accelerated that. I think given the climate today and the fact that all these health systems are uh, are, are um, kind of merging. So we're seeing uh, large health systems kind of taking over some of the smaller hospitals. I think that, um, in a way, that's a good thing. This provides a sense of security for physicians. I think if you're part of a larger health system, there is some value to knowing that you're part of a large organization that can stay afloat during hard times. One of the things that we saw was an unbelievable number of small hospitals, uh, unfortunately, having to close during the earlier part of 2020. and. Um, and the larger health systems of course were able to survive and so I think that we're going to see that trend continue in terms of smaller hospitals merging with larger systems and physicians having employed positions.
1: Yeah yeah certainly an interesting trend to keep an eye on and Nader i love to get your two cents here as well do you agree with Dr. Glaston and see uh, more surgeons seeking out employment opportunities and less entering the private practice realm?
2: I, I do, but I'm certainly not in the same position as Dr. Glatz to to see that as closely as she does. Um, but but certainly um, makes sense and and consistent with what we've seen. But but maybe just a slightly different answer from where I sit, almost a complete maybe answering a different question in a certain sense. Actually, is that one thing we have seen with the pandemic in terms of how it's shifting that business mix toward the surgery center world is that um, it's a, it, it did accelerate in many cases. You know, there's this Hospital Without Walls initiative that's allowing surgery centers to operate as though they're a hospital. So Medicare, that's a Medicare initiative. So it's allowed surgery centers to take, if you applied for that program, to operate as though your hospital and take hospital cases that previously weren't um, allowed, for example, back in 2020 hips weren't allowed by Medicare in a surgery center so you could you could do that so i think it opened up a lot of people's eyes to other types of cases that could be done and done safely in that setting and i also think that you know that you're you're starting to sense a little bit of the general public's fear maybe right now during covid anyways of going into you know if they can avoid walking into a hospital and there's another place to have surgery then um, they may prefer that. So I think it opened up from what we said a little bit of the mainstream understanding of the value that surgery centers can have on, on the healthcare system.
1: Yeah, is, is that the, the number one challenge facing the orthopedic field at the moment is kind of patient's reticence to, to go in and get their surgeries done?
0: I think it depends on where you are geographically. Um, I'm in New York City and we have seen a lot of people move out of the city if they're able to work from home. Um, I think that next year when schools open back up we'll see a lot of families return Um, and there are some older people who are choosing uh, to delay surgical treatment. Um, So we've seen that to some extent uh, and it is an issue. I think as summer comes, though, things will pick back up. But I think it was a great point about patients' awareness of what can be offered at surgery centers. That's one thing is, you know, I've sent people home after procedures that a couple years ago I never would have considered doing. Uh, One example is I had a um, a fixation of a shoulder fracture. And usually those patients are admitted overnight for pain control. But in our partnership with anesthesia now, we can do uh, long acting blocks and indwelling catheters so that we're able to send patients home. So this dovetails very well with the ASC initiative and in that we're starting to do things and send people home. And for a long time, pe- people wanted to stay. It was nice to have somebody take care of you in the hospital. And that attitude has changed. Uh, people are very amenable to going home and now a lot of people wanna go home. So it's really great synergy in, in building uh, this kind of business development.
1: Mm-hmm. Honestly, anything
2: to add there, um, daughter? No, no, I agreed, agree with all of those comments, absolutely.
1: Okay. Well, well, jump into our last question. It's been a great discussion so far. And really, really, again, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. Um, for, for orthopedic leaders tuning in today, what is the number one action surgeons should take to protect against future uncertainty? Um, Nader, let's go to you first for this question.
2: Yeah. So I think really it could almost bring together everything we've been talking about. I think it's hard to know what the future will, will bring um, if you focus on the patient, you know, what's best for the patient and keep your mind open to the latest and greatest in technology and advancement. Continue to evolve um, your mindset and your practice from that perspective. I think you'll be in the best position um, to handle whatever uncertainty is there. I think the, the practice is changing. Orthopedics is fascinating. Um, spine is fascinating. Really, it's a couple of my favorite specialties to, you know, spend time with surgeons and, um, and, and, the like I said, the advancements in technology have been been tremendous to watch and really changed the business um, and, and the, obviously the, the medical care being provided. So I think just staying focused on those, those couple of things will put you in the best position to adjust, adapt, and evolve to whatever the future brings.
1: And Dr. Glass, anything to build off and others' comments there?
0: I think from a surgeon's standpoint, uh, staying current, uh, is really important it allows you to be flexible and nimble and uh, as was was said uh, conditions change all the time Uh, so I think being open-minded to changing your practice style and adapting new technology is one of the most important things you can do Um, there's more information coming forward than ever but also information is more accessible than ever Uh, you know we have webinars there are industry-sponsored events and uh, local courses being offered. And also, you know, one of the things that we're starting to see is remote education using Google Glass. Um, a lot of surgeons now are putting on uh, Google Glasses and using virtual reality tools so that someone can sit at home, maybe thousands of miles away put on the glasses and be right there with a surgeon in the operating room. So uh, taking advantage of that accessible information and the learning opportunities uh, and staying current, I think is probably one of the biggest things other than living within your means, which is also helpful against uncertainty.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Great advice, great advice just across the board there. Thank you so much. Um, Well, that's just all we have time for. We're just running up on time at the moment. Um, I'd like to give each of our panelists just one more opportunity to share any final thoughts. Um, Dr. Galatz, let's go to you. What is your 30 second takeaway that you'd like to leave um, our our audience members with today?
0: I think, um, you know, these are uncertain times. And as physicians, we're all leaders in one way or another, even if you don't have a leadership position. Uh, in your organization. As a physician, you're a leader. You lead the nurses, you lead whatever students you have, and you lead your patients. And so this is really an opportunity for all of us to shine and to take a good look at the way that we practice and the way that we interact with others and to make improvements that impact our patients in meaningful ways.
1: Absolutely. It'll really, really embrace those leadership qualities and, and just meaningful impact on care. And, and how about you, N- uh, Nader? Your 30-second takeaway, do you like to leave our, our audience members with today?
2: Yeah, no, I, I think Dr. Ross had a great comment that I'm just going to kind of play off of or run with, and that was to live within your means mindset. I think people who were in the best position when this happened, whether it was <clears throat> companies that had lived within their means and they had capital to deploy to invest at a time um, when – when uh, others were pulling back, whether it was on a personal level and you had, um, you know, the funds to be able to stay calm and, and manage through. So I think that that is a great lesson. Hopefully we don't see another one of these, you know, a pandemic for another hundred plus years, uh, but there will be something. And, and so being prepared and then also as leaders, um, keeping that same mindset to be prepared, be thoughtful and be able to be in position to help your clients and employees with whatever um, whatever we're going to face next is um, I think a great lesson that maybe none of us were really thinking about or ready for when it, when it happens, but um, you know, hopefully we will all be more prepared next time.
1: Yeah, I agree. Some, some excellent nuggets of advice there from the two of you. So that, that's just all the time we have for today. I wanna to thank um, Dr. Galatz and Nader for, for both of their time and their insights today. And to our attendees who join us, thank you so much for taking the time to be part of our Becker's Orthopaedic, Spine and ASC virtual event. Thank you. Thank you.